Hello and welcome again to the famous CFC podcast where each episode offers a deep dive into the wonderful history of Chelsea Football Club. My name's Gary Barone and for this festive season special I'm joined as usual by the club's historian and my co-ho-ho-host Rick Glenville. <laughs> I'm wearing a special blue and white Santa hat. I hope you appreciate it, Gary. It looks rather beautiful, Rick. Um, <laughs> before people groan about the co-ho-ho-host, we could have called this you'll never walk alone you know you'll no never mind but we didn't okay we didn't call it that and we'll be sharing stories from festive seasons past including boxing day gold extravaganzas massive crowds and fans singing jingle bells in celebration oh always a pleasure and our very very special guest is frankie blunstone um one of the most popular chelsea stars of the 1950s who was a league champion in 1954-55 at the tender age of 21. Uh, by all accounts, I didn't see him play, but by all accounts of the people I've spoken to, a brilliant winger with a great engine, uh, loved to bomb past players, uh, curtailed by injury, sadly. Uh, but he went on to nurture the likes of Ray Wilkins and co in the 70s as manager of our youth team. I, I also have the pleasure of knowing him. He's a lovely man. And he's one of our oldest and most cherished former players, 88 and still in fine fettle. He'll be telling us what it was like in the days of yore to play Christmas fixtures in consecutive days against the same opponents. Imagine that. Teams playing games two days running. As we all know, FIFA president Gianni Infantino listens to these podcasts, so God alone knows what he's going to make of it. <laughs> now, my own favourite Christmas football memory, funny enough, is away to Arsenal, Boxing oh, yeah. Day 1977. Uh, we didn't win the game, but it was a big step forward in the return of Chelsea fans into the uh, into the top league. It was a wonderful day, but any match after that where you can actually start singing Jingle Bells, Jingle, jingle Bells, bells jingle, jingle All the Way. Oh, uh, what fun it is to... See Chelsea win away. Hey, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, that still gets sung uh, in the run up to the football season, doesn't it? Uh, oh, sorry, the holiday season. I mean, at games, um, you know, when we're winning, I think we leave it to the last last minute usually. But what a pleasure! And of course, don't forget Chelsea fans' adaptation of the Carol, the first Noel. All's good. All's good. All's good. All's good. Born is the king of Stamford Bridge. Beautiful. It sounds better when there's thousands of people singing it, though, than just you and I, Rick. <laughs> Always. With, with a bit more gusto, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, there's a different vibe around these festive matches, especially in my experience on Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, they, they say, you know, it's a time for magic. But do you remember, like, David Webb, usually a defender, starting his goalkeeper against Ipswich at Stamford Bridge on the day after Boxing Day back in 71? That's actually one of my all-time favourite festive football memories, especially him, I don't know if you remember, uh, in the warm-up before the game, he ran out with a green shirt on because Peter Bonetti and, uh, and all the other uh, standby goalkeepers were unavailable. Uh, Steve Sherwood, I think, got caught in fog on the Yorkshire Moors. So David Webb, as you, who, as you say, is utility man, really, not only an FA Cup winner for us, runs out before the game, wearing a green shirt, holding the gloves, runs into the penalty area in front of the shed, kneels down, 
makes a like a praying motion like that as if to say come on i need your help here i'm praying for a miracle uh to keep the ball out but that is one of my favorite memories yeah he, he was a showman though wasn't he and oh. he kept a clean sheet that day in the 2-0 victory yeah and he wore every shirt david webb except 11 um but there was always a buzz in the stands too you sort of carried the festivities onto the terraces and one person who really captured uh, this for me that I interviewed and I knew quite well was the late uh, member of parliament in England Tony Banks a huge Chelsea fan and I talked to him when I did the official Chelsea biography centenary book in 2005 and he would become quite misty-eyed with nostalgia talking about the holiday season football and to quote him from the book he said the image that i've got was on boxing day all the men and boys would go over to the match i think it used to kick off usually at 11 30 a.m so you could get off and you could come back for your christmas dinner your second christmas dinner on boxing day um i remember you used to meet up and you'd all go over there on the bus or if one of them had a car you'd all pack into it and people would be wearing their new yellow gloves that they just that they just got it's one of the traditional Christmas presents and stiff new yellow gloves and Will's Whiffs, um, which were like small, thin cigars. And everyone was feeling very expansive, Tony used to say. And sometimes, of course, they take a tot of whiskey, not for the kids, but they take a tot of whiskey and they would pass the whiskey around on the terraces and smoke the Will's Whiffs. And everyone felt really affluent. And, you know, it was a great feeling. And I love that evocation of the shed end in the 1950s. But to some degree, it's still the case that many a boy or girl will attend their first match at Stamford Bridge over the Christmas holiday. So that special family day out experience really, I think, reverberates down the years still. Uh, but I suppose the presence nowadays would be sort of flash new trainers or, in your case, Gary, a quilted gilet. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that about me. <laughs> <laughs> But all this, though, it does reveal how embedded festive football is in English culture. Mm. I suppose you could even throw in the famous Christmas truce of 1914 during the World War during World War One, yeah. where the British and German shoulders put, put down their rifles and picked up footballs. That really was peace on earth and goodwill for all. Well, for one night, anyway. Yeah, I think it's soldiers, not shoulders, but we'll go with it. Um, the the Guardian newspaper on Boxing Day 1914 reported on, on this very thing that you're bringing up every acre of meadow under any sort of cover in the rear of the lines which is behind the trenches was taken possession of for football but so you can imagine that you've just gone through hell and the one thing you've got a bit of peace and quiet you think come on boys let's have a christmas game of football i love that but it's actually embedded a lot further back than that gary because the fact is that football matches in england were banned uh, from christmas day which if we remember, is in the Christian calendar a holy day as well as a holiday. Uh, football was banned on Christmas Day way back in the time of King Henry VIII, you know, the 1500s. And that tells us that it must have been a tradition for the law to be required. You know, you wouldn't make a law for something that wasn't happening. Um, funnily enough, though, uh, in 1526, King Henry VIII's official shoemaker Cornelius Johnson was paid the equivalent of about 160 quid in current money to make him a pair of football boots from Italian leather. Uh, we're not sure there were a Christmas present, which so many children have loved to receive down the years, of course. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, but back in those days, medieval mob football, they used to take place quite a lot. Funny enough, my son plays medieval mob football now, but that's a different story. Um, <laughs> but do many of these games take place over the festive season? Yeah, as well as um, Shrove Tuesday, Mardi Gras. Um, and they seem to have started these these very well-known sort of folk football or mob football matches as a way for the sort of youngsters of rival villages to let off steam against each other. But anyway... Let's fast forward to organised football uh, around uh, 1889, uh, when really the professional game was in it was uh, the professional organised game was in its infancy, and the Football Association actually considered preventing games like Henry VIII being played on Christmas Day for religious reasons. But there was such uh, an upsurge of popular passion for football football at Christmas. It was too strong for the FA. And so in 1893-94, the Football League scheduled games on December the 25th and December the 26th for the first time. So literally they went from famine to festive feast. <laughs> two games over two days. Yeah, okay, in Infantino. Infantino, are you listening? Um, and, and actually so entrenched was it that by the 1940s, uh, the Essex Newsman newspaper, the uh, newspaper just to the east of northeast of London, uh, could actually rightly claim that, quote, Christmas football is a tradition. To millions of people, Christmas without football would not be Christmas at all. It adds spice to the Christmas holiday. All over the country, snow and frost permitting, people will flock in their tens of thousands to the Christmas Day and Boxing Day local derbies. In fact, it continued, for many years, football was only permitted, was the only permitted organised public entertainment, such as theatres and cinemas, on Christmas Day. So that's the only thing that was going on. So when did Chelsea's first festive football start then, Rick? Well, in our very first season, Gary. Um, so Christmas Day 1905. And it was with quite a significant fixture. Division 2, we were vying for promotion and we played at... Manchester United, a win for Chelsea, who were third at the time, would have closed the gap on United, who were also uh, obviously vying for promotion. But the game finished nil-nil. Much smaller crowd than and, uh, Good Friday when we... And, and another draw, but there were 67,000 at Stamford Bridge for that one, just a few months later at Easter. Um, but there was one great story that came out of this game about um, that intimidated by our giant-sized goalie, Willie Falk, who we've mentioned in the past. United's Bob Bonthron placed a penalty uh, late in the game, wide, and he was berated by his manager, but he protested, I looked at Falk, then the goal, and there was nowhere left to put the ball. That's because of the giant-sized goalkeeper, Willie Falk. Fantastic. But the fact that Yorkside meant there were two days off work for the English worker in the 20th century must have helped establish that habit. Absolutely right. It's... Um, time off for leisure, and of course that what me what that meant is that people wanted to uh, take in the game, and that really had the turnstiles spinning. Um, like in 1949, for example, uh, in the English league, the attendance record at matches was broken twice. On the 26th of December, there was a, they established a new high of like one million two hundred twenty-six thousand and ninety-eight. Uh, that went through the turnstiles across all four English divisions in the league. And just 24 hours later, the bar 
was raised again, so to speak, to 1,253,572. So this is despite the fact that these games are on successive days on the 25th and 26th of December. Yeah, somehow people found the money and, you know, the the great British football fan turned up in their hundreds of thousands. Um, Thing is, of course, that sudden flurry of domestic fixtures i mean sometimes they would be there'll be like three games over four days uh had also become established in the football fan psyche as a potential turning point because it it was at the halfway stage of the league campaign i mean we still uh, in this country have regular articles written about the team that's top or team that's bottom of the Premier League at Christmas, don't we? Do we do indeed. But you see the thing is back those the sort of the another thing that came in uh for over several decades was back to back meetings that we mentioned before with the same opponent opponents. Now that happened around 1908 and Chelsea's first pairing, if you like, was with um Manchester City and uh we actually won 2-1 at City's ground. And according to Athletic News, it was like a, a massive turning point for Chelsea. But Chelsea were at last attaining that pinnacle which thousands of Metropolitan supporters, supporters had vainly looked for. So they saw that first game uh, as, a, 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 as like a, a real breakthrough. But of course, the next day we played City at home. And um, unfortunately, those hopes were dashed when we lost to the citizens by the same scoreline the next day. Two teams completely yeah. turned it around. Typical Chelsea, eh? Yeah, exactly. But, but how did that this pairing system actually work in practical terms, like travel arrangements? Well, typically, uh, Chelsea always travelled luxuriously. So for the first night, night before the first match, it would be a, a real luxury hotel and it would be first class travel on the train then for the kind of uh, for the second match on the next day the two teams will quite often travel on the same train down so say for example uh in on december the 25th so christmas day 1931 i've seen a buffet car menu for the train that both blackpool and chelsea we're traveling on so we'd played at blackpool the next game was at stanford bridge so the the two sets of players are on this buffet car and there's a under buffet menu is a convivial three shillings and sixpence luncheon three shillings and sixpence what's that about uh 18 pence probably about 15 pounds now or something like that anyway and it was uh Imagine this before a game. Uh, tomato soup, lemon sole, roast turkey and trimmings, Christmas pudding, cheese and celery. What, no booze? <laughs> hey, this wasn't uh, Christmas with the Rat Pack meal, mate. Of, of course. But you do touch on something there, which is that one of the great truisms of terrace culture at uh, Christmas is that uh, an unusually poor display on Boxing Day has to be down to a player overindulging in food and drink the day before, doesn't it? Well, I remember people shouting too much Christmas poor to anyone <laughs> who underperformed in the bridge. Yeah. And it must have been quite hard to abstain. Footballers then didn't have all these strict nutrition regimes in those days, did they? No, and I think it, uh, even then it was widely regarded as probably the toughest time of the year for uh, a professional footballer. For example, Chelsea had a star 
centre-forward called Jack Cock, and he had a column in a newspaper in 1920. So he talked about this quite revealingly. He said, a footballer cannot enjoy his Christmas or indulge in cheering beverages like the ordinary mortal, but I bet he is glad of the fact on, on 27th of December when bad headaches are flowing around. So what he's saying there is that um, you know they actually got away with it because they didn't they didn't have a hangover after after do, overdoing it in the Christmas period. But he went on to say it, it is a very arduous time. We do not go into special training for the simple reason that the first round of the FA Cup is due on the eighth of January, and we should be stale for that if wound up too tightly just before. Well, talking of being wound up, Christmas football is often associated with shock results. And not least Southampton beating us 2 0 at the bridge two years ago. Oh, I know. Um, I don't know about you, but I didn't ask Father Christmas to deliver me that. Um, no. Also, Charlton fans still remember their 4 2 win against Chelsea on Boxing Day 2003, too. I mean, if you know any Chal- Charlton fans, that's all they talk about when you meet them. Uh, but we have had some nice results. I mean, there's a in 1907, there was a, a right royal Christmas stuffing of Liverpool at their place with uh, Gatling Gun, George Hilston on the score sheet. And um, uh, several down the years that we, we've touched on as well. But the most famous set of collective shocks uh, in one match week, if you like, was on Boxing Day 1963, when a record, it still stands, a record 66 goals were recorded in over the 10 Division One matches. Uh, Chelsea won 5-1 at Blackpool, Burnley thrashed Man United 6-1, West Ham lost 8-2 at home to Blackburn. Fulham annihilated Ipswich 10-1 and West Ham and uh, sorry West Brom and Tottenham drew 4-4 as amongst other schools. It's funny because I seem to remember all the matches back then at Christmas being local derbies but not too many among that lot. No I think that's a more recent memory for us actually because uh, really those neighbourly games over Christmas only came really regular again in the mid-70s when British Rail, who ran all train services in England, began to cut back on its holiday schedule. So Boxing Day train services ended in 1981 and uh, and they've they've tried to minimise travel ever since. And um, uh, But it's uh, the schedulers of the fixtures tried to to pair teams so there wasn't too much travel involved. In fact, it's one of the few match weeks of the fixture list that's put together manually rather than by a computer. Mm. Anyway, so that railway cutback, it ties in with that great game in 76 when Eddie McCready's youthful and quite wonderful, in my opinion, Chelsea tore oh, into the old men of Fulham with Bobby Moore and George Best to win yeah. 2 new at the bridge. And that was in front of the largest crowds at the bridge in more than a decade. Yeah, again, showing the popularity and why uh, Christmas football has survived because the crowds come. Um, and that was a 55,003 crowd. Everyone will always say, I was there, you were there. Everyone who was always says, yeah, it wouldn't have been 55,000 had me and my mates not been there. Because <laughs> it was just three over the 55,000. But it felt like it standing in the shed. Mm. Um, really did feel packed. And um, that match took place on Monday the 27th of December as there weren't any trains running over the previous two days. But it shows the appetite for football. Yeah, of course. Now, personally, I've never actually attended the game on Christmas Day itself. No, that be unlikely, Gary, unless you're older than you look. Because um, Chelsea have not played a match on Christmas Day, 25th of December itself, since 1958, when we won uh, 
or Ted Drake's team won 3-0 at Blackburn. And Peter Sillett netted twice. And Jimmy Greaves enjoyed the gift of his 23rd goal of the season. And in a dramatic twist, we have just the guest to ask about that as Frank Blundstone played in that final festive fling. We asked him what it was like. All right, I have to do it. Editor Jake has to jump to an ad break really quick. So thank you, our sponsors. And just a heads up, when you come back, as we've said already in this episode, Frank is one of the oldest living Chelsea legends we have. So bear with us on the audio. We had to get him on the phone and record out of the phone speakers. He's not quite on the, the Zoom game like a lot of us. So listen to it. It's so great. Such a great guy. Such a sweetheart. Such a great interview. Be right back. I did want to ask you, because Frank, you do have the uh, distinction of playing in Chelsea's last ever Christmas Day fixture, which was at Blackburn um, on the 25th of December in 1958, when obviously part of uh, Ted Drake's team, uh, you won 3 0. Peter Sillett netted twice. We won 3 0. We won 3 0, yeah, Chelsea. At Blackburn, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sillett scored twice, and Jimmy Greaves, who I know you loved, uh, he scored his 23rd goal of the season. I mean, do you have any memories of that game in particular? Or I don't, I don't remember, uh, you know, 1958. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but the thing was, in those days, which is annoying, as I, as I said to you the other day, I mean, where do they send us? Christmas Day, with all these teams in London, they send us right down to Blackburn, Blackpool, anyway. <laughs> I, I could never understand that. I couldn't, you know. <laughs> well, particularly when they stopped uh, the trains running at Christmas, that would have been a, a problem. But you, you mentioned that, you, that quite often you would end up playing the same team on Christmas Day and on well, Boxing Day. Yeah. Uh, at, at Blackpool on Christmas Day, and then we came next day. They came back on the same train as us, <laughs> and we played them again the next day at Stamford Bridge. But how did it feel to you're a long way away? You know, you're a long time away from your family at one of the most important family occasions of the year. How did that feel as a footballer? Oh yeah, well you know we um, we accepted it really, but because uh, it, it was always that way, wasn't it? Mm. But uh, uh, it wasn't easy, you know, when you've got a family, as you say, because you spend Christmas at home, didn't you? But uh, we had to uh, put up with it, you know, we did as well. Did you, so would you sort of go to a, a hotel the night before, like on Christmas Eve? Would you all meet at a hotel? Uh, oh, yeah. So yeah, you were away from... The night before, you know, we'd go from uh, Houston to uh, Blackpool and then... Uh, get a coach at the station, take us to the hotel, or if it's that far, or if it's a walking distance, we'd walk it, you know. And did you observe the usual traditions of Christmas as well, though? Like, uh, this is before yeah. your time, but in 1931, Chelsea yeah. and Blackpool uh, travelled together on Christmas Christmas night. Right. Yeah, we played, yeah, yeah. And it was a tomato, this is what they served up, tomato soup, lemon sole, roast turkey and trimmings, Christmas pudding, cheese and celery. I mean, how could you yeah. play the next day after eating that kind of a huge meal? Well, we had, we had to, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> they, it, we? You know, in them days, it, it, 
guys didn't come into it. You know, you'd be surprised what people had, you know. It's amazing, really. <laughs> um, where today they're a bit more on what you eat out. They didn't bother in our day. We just ate what we wanted, you know. <laughs> Even before meals, uh, before games. Oh, really? Even before, like just before a match, you might end up having a big meal as well. Is that how it was? Well, we, we used to finish up having steak most of the time. Oh, really? And toast, steak and toast. <laughs> Four meals, major, Four games. <laughs> yeah. You... Didn't have potatoes or vegetables, that. Just steak and uh, toast. And do, but do you remember any... At Christmas, were there any of your teammates who were liable to overdo it a little bit? I know you're teetotal, but did some of them take the festivities a bit too seriously and not turn up on for the football the following day? Oh, no, they all, no, they all turned up. They were professionals, weren't they? That's good we, to hear. We got paid for it. <laughs> no. It was funny because it, when you're from the other side, like being in the stands sometime... If you're watching a Boxing Day match and you could see one of the players underperforming, you'd always have someone yeah. in the crowd who would shout out, oh, he's had too much Christmas pudding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got, you got that, didn't you? I mean, I, would have, I remember one sticks out in my memory for years, you know, and that wasn't Christmas. Christmas. It was when I was playing at Chelsea, you know, and I was struggling, having a bad time, you know, and all of a sudden, this voice came out, you know, real cocky. You know, Come on, Blunstone, you ain't come down here for nothing. <laughs> and it, it sticks, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it just, it, it's funny at the time. It's not funny when you're playing like but... <laughs> Do you remember you were, another reason why it's, uh, I'm so glad that you're a guest on this is, is because uh, you played on the left wing in one of our finest ever results, um, actually, on Boxing Day 1963 when we thrashed Blackpool 5-1 at their place. Yeah, um, uh, that was the time they came back with us, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and they, they thought, well, you know, because we won 5-1 the day before, we were going to thrash them the next day at home. But we didn't. I think we won 1-0 or something <laughs> like that. Have you got the result? Yeah, I, th I think it was. I think... I think it was a one nil or a draw or something like that. But it was that's right. I think we don't think it was a draw, but we won five one there. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. And because we won there, everybody thought we were going to really crash the next day, but we didn't. I think it finished up a draw. <laughs> and um, yeah. but there were sixty six goals scored across all the matches on that day. That's the most ever. Um, I think. That's amazing, it, isn't it? Yeah, there was like there were like eight two. Someone won eight two. There was a ten one. There was a four four. <laughs> was there something oh, about yeah. was there something about Christmas that used to produce shocks like that? I don't know, really. It's just one of the things, isn't it? Mm -hmm. it, it, it might have been the Christmas spirit. <laughs> the opposition might have taken a bit, but uh, sympathy <laughs> with us, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did it, and did um, you know that's what puts me off now at the moment? The modern football, you know, I watch the modern football now, and it's, it's all you know, nobody runs with it, nobody dribbles, it's all pass, uh -huh. pass, pass, keep possession, one nil, one nil. Well, <laughs> as, years, as someone who bores me, well, I was going to say, but someone like you who is famous for your dribbling and for getting down, well, bomb, you, 
you know, bombing down and crossing. Five four, five four at Preston one year, and Jimmy scored all five. Jimmy Green scored all the five. When we lost the old Manchester United, I think that was on the Christmas Day. We lost six five. Going back to the Christmas stuff at um, at Chelsea, do you remember? Did you used to do? Lots of people nowadays they do this sort of secret Santa where you have to buy a present for someone and you, it, they don't know who's bought it for them. Just a trifle, like you know, yeah. you spend a tenner or something. Did you? Did the players ever buy each other presents at Christmas? No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> we have a job bag. Hey, we're only on ten or twelve quid a week, you know. Well, I was going to say. To buy them. <laughs> <laughs> but did you have a Christmas party, uh, like a staff party? No. Between nothing like that, really. Yeah. Mm. Well, you couldn't because you were playing, weren't you? No, we never had Christmas parties or anything like that. No. Well, wow, so Christmas I was mean, Christmas was mm. Christmas was a hard time for us because, as you said, you got your family, you 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 were away most of the time, and, and the annoying thing was, as we said, these said there's a Right up to Blackpool and to Blackburn and places like that. You know, <laughs> and you had to go on the day before, before Christmas, yeah. and play Christmas Day. So, you know, like I had my, my daughter, Karina, uh, I never saw Christmas with her. So you never saw her open the presents? No, well, when we after, you know, later. A few days later or yeah. something. Right, so you, but you, that's. Well, it depended. You know, we were playing Christmas Day away and then the home Boxing Day with the open Boxing Day, you know, that, that ah. sort of thing, you know. Okay, so you sort of adapt to it and say, can you just hold yeah. off until Boxing Day and then open the presents when I'm home kind of thing? Yeah. 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 Just finally, Frank, I know that you uh, re- recently received your Christmas hamper from Chelsea. Um, that yeah. is that is sent to a, lots of the past players. What kind of stuff uh, do they put in those those hampers, and how welcome are they at this time of year? Oh, they're, they're fantastic. They're very good, actually. What sort of food do they have in them? Well, Christmas puddings, uh, chocolates, uh, biscuits, nuts. Oh, lovely! All that sort of stuff. Cheeses, loads of cheeses. Fantastic. Yeah, but. Um, we've only had it since we've finished playing, you know, since we've never yeah. played it during we were playing. When we were playing, we never got one. You didn't get a Christmas bonus? No. Mm. Even the, with the big crowds that used to happen at Christmas, you you know, I suppose you'd... Did you have, mm. In them days, you know, it was minimum, maximum wages. You wouldn't have, and it was, I mean, I, I signed for Chelsea. I was on 10, 10, £12 and £10 mm. uh, crew at the Alex. That was £12 in the playing season, £10 in the summer. Yeah, wow. Now, when I signed for Chelsea, I got exactly the same money because it was maximum wages. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't get no more. £2 for a win, £1 for a draw. <laughs> Everybody got that, whether you played for Crew <laughs> or whether you played for Chelsea or Manchester United. That was the wage and that was it. Then there's me thinking that Joe Mears... Would have been the um, like the ghost of Christmas present, you know, full of uh, joviality and yeah. and generosity. No, and... It wasn't. <laughs> it, it didn't change for us because we were working, we were playing. 
Yeah. So we had to carry on the same way. You know, you you couldn't uh, go mad. And as you said, you know, having, having Christmas Day, you were playing Christmas Day. You couldn't have the turkey and all that stuff. <laughs> I suppose in many ways, Frank, it was for, whereas it's a, a brilliant time of year for the football supporters, it was probably the worst time of year for the players, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. It was the worst time for us, because, as I say, because, well, mind you, they, they were, the, Chelsea were very good. They, I mean, we travelled first class everywhere mm-hmm. on the trains, you know, and everything. Mm-hmm. It was all booked up. You just had to get to the station. But you forget, you got to get to the station. I mean, we were going to play at uh, Blackpool. Mm. Now, I had to get from... Wandsworth Bridge Road yeah. to Euston. Oh. So we had to get on the underground on the bus. <laughs> I never had a car. Never had a car. No. <laughs> so it wasn't all glamour. So, Far from it. Did you have the top class yeah, hotels as well, though, Frank? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, the best hotels, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Always had the best hotels. But what I'm saying is I had to get from Wandsworth. So I'd get a 14 bus. I had to get me put 14 bus from Wandsworth Bridge Road to <laughs> Bowen Broadway Station, get on the underground, get to wow. Houston, had to change with Victoria, <laughs> and then get to Houston, and then get on the train, and, you know, first class then from my mood. But we had to get back, when we got back, the same as when we got back, we only dropped us off at Houston, you had to get home. <laughs> exactly, and I suppose there'd be people sitting on the train, or the tube, saying... Hey, is that Frank Bonstone? No, it can't be. Yes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> they did recognise us. Well, yeah, they were chat. Yeah, come and have a chat with you. <laughs> we had to get on the other ground. Yeah, I never had a car. We never had cars in them days. <laughs> well, it's been brilliant talking to you, Frank, and I wish a very merry Christmas to you and yours. And I hope you have a really good time. Yeah. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks and seasonal best wishes to the great Frank Blunstone. I really enjoyed how he reflected on those difficult times it was, those hardships for a young man and a young professional footballer, the sort of things he had to go through and the story about sharing football boots. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? You can't imagine what it's like. Kids of today wouldn't believe you. No, they wouldn't. And um, it is a reminder that this time of year, although lots of us, there's lots of hedonism and pleasure and joy. Families get together. There are uh, some who are very unfortunate. This is a, a really incredibly difficult time of year for. Uh, and in that sense, maybe football can offer a little piece uh, of escapism in that respect, away from the expectations, demands, the costs, and all the other things that, that are imposed on you. Um, and even though Nowadays, the Premier League programme is played over several days rather than one, so it doesn't have that focus on on Boxing Day. And like, you know, this year, Prime Video in the UK screening every match live. I think that just proves festive football is still quite hale and hearty in this country, to be honest. Um, And actually, not much has really changed since 1945 when an Essex newspaper wrote This beautiful tribute, I think, that I quote. So let our Christmas football be good-humoured. Let it be exciting. Let there be much to shout ourselves hoarse about. But let it be played in the true Christmas spirit. 
And more to the point, let's raise a glass for the fact we actually beat Bournemouth 3-0 on Boxing <laughs> Zone in 2017, and fingers crossed. Exactly. Now, finally, whatever your spiritual beliefs, in the words of the 1913 Chelsea programme, that every joy and happiness may be yours this Christmas tide is the sincere wish of the Chelsea pensioner. Oh, Cheers. absolutely. Cheers. Now, you've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Barone, and him, Rick Vanville. If you liked it, please tell your friends and family, rate us and subscribe on whichever app you're using and help us promote Chelsea's heritage. Thanks for stopping by. Up the Chelsea. Compliments of the season.